Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. So, the three amigos. <laughs> <laughs> Who's more hungover out of you two today, would you say? Uh, I mean, if you are, Joel, fair play. <laughs> I don't feel great. <laughs> I feel like we have like three hours sleep, I think, flat. No, it's it's a long and heavy road back today. <laughs> I've not had a drink for a week. I think I've gone a bit soft, actually. <laughs> I think I'll be drowning in my sorrows later. <laughs> so um, just a few house rules before we start. Um, if you uh, could try and avoid talking over each other, that would be ideal. If you want to say something while someone else is talking, just give me a little wave and I'll, I'll let you interject. Um, Alex, if I make the T symbol at you, that means get the kettle on. Because <laughs> uh, you are, of course, in the, in the other room. Like, this is some... Uh, shit 90s sitcom or something <laughs> and uh, and that's about it really so um, are we all sitting comfortably let's come let's come great yeah. then we'll begin welcome to the one football podcast for what's a bit of a premier league special this week i'm dan burke and i'm joined by a couple of premier league legends it's alex mott Hello. and premier league champion joel sanderson <laughs> Ah, that sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. Done well, that's me. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll come back to that shortly, but I want to start with you, Alex, today, because you've written a hot take about the Premier League that's coming out on the OneFootball app on Saturday mm. morning this week. Perhaps you could give us a little preview about what that's about. Uh, that the Premier League isn't very good, and that, well, I might use a harsher language than that, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's not very good, and I think Project Restart has, uh, has proved it, really. I don't... I think there's been 22 games now since uh, Villa Sheffield United last week uh, or the week before Um, and I think one of them has been good in that. Maybe the Chelsea City game last night and that was about it. Um, Yeah, I won't ruin the piece entirely but um, yeah, I just, yeah, I'm just not not happy with it being back particularly and yeah, the quality's just been shown to be pretty bad i think <laughs> i suspect you probably don't agree with that though joel <laughs> <laughs> well um no i think he's got i think that's got a good point there to be honest like the, the quality hasn't been great at all has it like we've we've been covering a couple of games obviously for the app itself and you know <laughs> some of them have been a slog to watch um you know there's not been many goals you know a lot of the first halves have been nil nil and then get the odd goal in the second half. I mean, I had to watch the Merseyside derby as a fan <laughs> and, and, and for work as well, and that was just horrific. But, you know, I, I'm not going to complain about a league that we've just won. <laughs> so, too much. Yeah, I think the Merseyside derby was probably the worst game I've seen, closely followed by Spurs v West Ham. I think that was yeah, pretty that dreadful was as well. I couldn't get over how knackered they all looked in that Spurs-West Ham game as well. Mm. That really surprised me. So, Joel, Liverpool are finally champions of England. What was it like to experience winning the title in that fashion and how did you celebrate it? Well, I was a bit sort of apprehensive about being able to celebrate it. I wasn't quite sure how that was going to play out, obviously, with the situation that we are in at the moment. Um, you know, obviously, we're, we're here in Germany, so I was very fortunate to be able to watch it in a bar last night. Um, there's about five people and a dog in said bar, <laughs> uh, and I was I was with an Arsenal and Celtic fan. You know, when Liverpool were finally going to win the league, that wasn't how I imagined it was going to be. The dog was nice, but everyone else maybe not so much. But um, no, I mean, I, I was I was just, I was just saying to you guys, you know, off air that I I was hoping that it wasn't going to be last night. Actually, you know, I I preferred to Liverpool to have won it on the pitch. You know, our next game would have been against Man City. So I think, one, that would have been great for the league as well because it would have got a big game. And, you know, there's not going to be that many big games left the rest of the season. But two, it would, would have been nice for the players to... Well, I was thinking it would have been nice for the players to have that moment on the pitch. And, of course, being at the Etihad as well, being able to walk around the Etihad like the owner place would have been, would have been great. But, you know, it's... You still can <laughs> well, we're gonna get a guard of honour, and now you can lose eight nil next week and just laugh about it. Like, it's... A socially distant guard of honour, the longest guard of honour ever. It'd be great. But um, no, to be honest, that all changed last night. As soon as Chelsea Man City kicked off, I was a, a you know a bag of nerves, which I wasn't really expecting to be. Um, and then you know, when Pius nervous put... about what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've won the league in January. <laughs> 
I know it, but you know, as, as bizarre as it sounds, until it was done, I still wasn't. You know, I've lived through <laughs> this. I've played this story before. Like, you know, it doesn't end well. Um, and then, you know, I, I might have got off my seat when when William puts the penalty. But you know, here we are. But no, it's it was nice to have the, to see the players be together as well in a hotel and you know they all have that moment. So it was great, really weird, but great. It was funny um, watching the Sky coverage, how they kept showing reactions from Liverpool fans on the sort of fan board <laughs> thing, whatever. It was like, it was like a, I mean, you could understand why that was the bit, the big story, wasn't it? But it was like the Chelsea City game was just a complete sideshow. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, Joel, I've seen like, a, uh, you know, some reactions on social media from Liverpool fans today. And there yeah. is this sort of um, general mood that this is like Liverpool have kind of come through a period of hardship under the sort of Hicks and Gillette ownership. Is that how you feel? Do you feel like you've sort of come out of the darkness into the light now as a as a club? I think... That year you finished eighth, it must have been awful for you. It's all relative because obviously, you know, we're not in a situation like Berry where, where fans may no longer have a club anymore. So that's real hardship you're talking about. No fan base and no team are entitled to win the league or win trophies. But, you know, with Liverpool, I think from the fans' point of view, it's a club that's always been successful and, and going this long run about winning the league title was built up as a, a really big thing. Like it consumed the fan base for three decades. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I did say last night, you know, some of these lads and girls on the, on the, uh, on the chat, on the video thing for the match, they have not been Northampton at home, Blackpool at home, have they? So you know what I mean? <clears throat> but, no, I don't. I don't think it's particularly a hardship. I would say, but you know, Liverpool are a big club, and they and they probably should be fighting for the title every season. So to finally have it, it is great. But I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, it's a big rags to riches story." <laughs> but it, you know, it means something to me. It means something to Liverpool fans. I don't think anyone else needs to. It means something to them. It doesn't need to. It doesn't matter. I don't. I don't get why we need to mention. Man City or Chelsea fans today or, or Robert and Everton or my United fans faces. It's nothing to do with them and they don't need to care really. They need to concentrate on their own clubs over them, so whatever. Yeah, I saw someone describe it as 30 years of hurt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who, who is that? You've won, you won, you won two European Cups in that time, lads. Like, <laughs> well, uh, King K on Twitter pointed out last night that Frank Lampard has helped Liverpool win a title but Stephen Gerrard hasn't. So... <laughs> That says it all, really, doesn't it? <laughs> we finally got to the end of that debate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, talking about Liverpool's actual performance this week, I thought they were awesome against Crystal Palace on Wednesday. Where do you think that display registers in their best performances of this season? Palace didn't even have a touch in Liverpool's box, apparently. That's yeah, mental. Yeah, first was... time it's ever happened, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, first time the Premier League that's ever happened. I thought, yeah, they, as they looked the best after the restart of Liverpool. They, they look like the best club coming back they're you know very worthy champions i actually think their best performance this season was the one against leicester on boxing day mm, that was yeah, yeah. that was absolutely astonishing i was covering that game for the app and um that you just couldn't write enough superlatives about that performance they were that was the and then i think the next day man city lost to wolves and yeah. everything got sent off so i think that was when the title was really won and yeah that that boxing day game is the one that I'll, I'll remember i think they were yeah absolutely superb yeah. Completely agree with Alex has been the best performance of the season. Um, I think the, what the games, against Palace the other night is probably our best performance at Anfield this season, funnily enough, and the fans weren't there to watch it. <laughs> but in the first 30 seconds, you just see the tempo been upped from the Merseyside derby. They were just on it and they were just ready to get this done. Uh, they were brilliant. In terms of like sort of talking about when the title was won, I think that's a good point Alex makes. But I think there's also a moment where we played Aston Villa and they were 1-0 down. Liverpool played Aston Villa, they 1-0 down mm. in the 90th minute and they scored two in stoppage time. And then the very next week we played play Man City and you know they beat them 3-1 at Anfield. And I think that's when, I think they've just taken, they took it away from City that yeah. those two weeks, I think. Well, that was a massive six-pointer that game, wasn't it? Literally, because the City would have gone three points behind Liverpool yeah. if they'd won and they ended up falling six points behind. And yeah, mm. I knew at that point that it was it was pretty much over, I think. Um, Alex, I'll ask you about this one. There's been a lot of talk about Jordan Henderson being named PFA Player of the Year this year. Is there an argument that Trent Alexander-Arnold has actually been Liverpool's best player? I think, to be honest, you could probably make an argument for six or seven players, really. You know, if you said Alisson, Van Dijk, Trent Alexander-Arnold, 
Vijnaldum, Mane, you could sort of, Firmino, you could name any of these players and give, say that they're player of the year. And I think that's part of why they are so good. You look at City, especially the past few months before lockdown and afterwards, they've been relying totally on Kevin De Bruyne. Despite how many brilliant players they have, they've been looking to him to create something, whereas Liverpool never really had that this season. You know, they've, they've had brilliant sort of individual performances at times from Mane and Trent Alexander-Arnold and stuff, but it's been a proper collective effort, which I think is why Player of the Year is it's quite a difficult one, I think. I, I personally would give it to Mane. I think he's been the absolute star up front, and without his goals, they might have struggled a little bit, but... Yeah, you could you could probably give it to anyone. Mm. You might have, yeah, seven or eight in that team, and you would not even have an argument. What do you reckon, Joel? Manny is a great great shout. You know, as you know, Alex says there, it's perfect. You know, there is collective effort, and there is six or seven you could give it to. I do think if we're talking individual player from Liverpool, I still think Jordan Henderson. I don't think Liverpool win the title if he's not been on it this season. He's his his levels improved massively. Uh, when Fabinho was out injured in November for two, three months, Henderson stepped into his role and, and just completely ran the midfield in every game. But I think in terms of an overall play of the year, I think De Bruyne, it's going to be between De Bruyne and Henderson, I feel. And I think De Bruyne might just edge it personally. Uh, but I think you're talking about Alexander-Arnold. I think he's a shoe in for young play of the year, like without a doubt he runs away with it. We'll talk a bit more about the PFA Player of the Year later. You mentioned Fabinho there, Joel. Um, I mean, Liverpool have signed the likes of Salah, Van Dijk, Alisson in recent years. They've all been brilliant, kind of pivotal signings. But where do you think Fabinho ranks among them? Because Liverpool signed him, was it the day after losing the Champions League final in 2017? Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was such a sort of statement of intent at the time, wasn't it? And he's been magnificent, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been huge. Um, it's Yeah, he comes straight after they lose to Real Madrid in the final. At first, first couple of months, he actually struggles and he doesn't get many minutes. And there's a game away at Arsenal where we draw one, Liverpool draw 1-1. One, one. And Fabinho just stinks the place out. He's just nowhere near the pace. Um, he just can't get a grip of the game. And Liverpool actually, Klopp makes a sub. And I think early in the, at the end of the first half or half-time, whatever, <clears throat> he actually brings someone on and changes the whole formation just to protect Fabinho. Um but then it slowly gets better. And if, if compared to that contrast to now, he runs the midfield. Uh, Klopp and Linders, Pep Linders' assistants, they refer to him as the lighthouse of the team. So, you know, they give the ball to him, he plays it off to someone else who can do some magic with it. But he keeps things ticking over. And, and the most important thing about him is, he, you know, he provides defensive stability, which this Liverpool team didn't have for years, even under Klopp. Uh, I think... Van Dijk helped that, and obviously Alisson, but Fabinho plays his role in that. You're gonna, you've got a big, tall lad in front of the mid, into the defence. You can win headers, whatever, but also he's there to mop up things. But he's also really good on the ball, and also as hitting long range worldies as we saw on <laughs> Wednesday. Night. I seen to, was it Man United were pretty close to signing him at one point. Yeah, Apparently. yeah, a couple of years ago, I think. Yeah, you know, you think if they got him, you know, City were close to signing Van Dijk. It could have, everything would have mm. changed, wouldn't it? The whole, the whole last few years you know, would have been completely different. I it's, mean, it's, go on. Sorry, but it, it's, it's funny because Liverpool Klopp first wanted to sign Julian Brandt over Sadio Mane. Brandt was the first choice, and mm. Brandt turned him down because he wanted his first team minutes to leave accusing. And Klopp didn't really want Salah. He had to get convinced by. Liverpool's transfer committee to sign Salah, so it is all sliding doors moments, isn't it? Like how it sort of worked out. And I think you do have to praise the owners and that trans what the transfer committee that Joel just spoke about there. Selling Coutinho to finance moves for Allison and Van Dyke is just an absolute genius piece of business, and it's almost well bringing Klopp, but then those moves almost transform that club into the sort of proper superpower that they are now. So. And that the owners have been, despite a few misses here and there, the owners have sort of been the model owners, really. And um, yeah, I think they, they deserve a lot of credit as well. Alex, do you think this uh, this title solidifies Jurgen Klopp's status as the best coach in the world? Yeah, I think it probably does. I think he's just he's he's just the coach the players want to play for, and you know he's got that charisma. He's obviously a brilliant man manager, but he's also tactically sort of really con 
come into his own in the past few years and yeah, you don't you don't beat this Man City side like they have this year without a brilliant coach and yeah, he's just yeah, he's he's number one for me. And what makes him better than say Pep Guardiola, for example? Is it as simple as that he's spent a little bit less money than him? I think I think that he's He's just got that aura about him, and he's obviously, like I said, he's a player. That, he's a coach that players want to play for. Um, and with Guardiola, you know, you saw it last night. You see it in these big Champions League games. He does overthink things sometimes, and he does try and overcomplicate matters. Whereas Klopp, he's, he sticks to his best eleven more or less all the time. You know, with a few changes here and there, and. He's just got that Liverpool team humming. Every single component knows what they're doing at all times. Um, the, the way they pressed, I mean, the way they're pressing against Palace on um, a few days ago was just unbelievable. So I just, yeah, I, I just think he's an absolutely world-class manager and the best in the world. Joel, for you? I don't know how you determine it, to be honest. Alex makes really good points there. I don't, but this kind of like question and status of the best coach in the world, I don't know how you, what the factors are for it in terms of who's won more titles, who's spent less money. They are both brilliant in their own right and for for individual reasons. They both they both don't play the same type of football, but they both have, have dominated English football over the last couple of years. So they're incredible. I don't, I, I obviously bias. I'm going to go for Klopp, but I don't I don't really know how to determine that. But yeah, he's not a bad man to have, is he? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I suppose the big question after not one, but two, or maybe even three brilliant seasons in a row for Liverpool, can they do it again next year? Um, Well, it's going to be this year, isn't it? Because this next season... (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I think what we're going to see next season, I I really believe we're going to see last season replayed where Liverpool and Man City run away with it again. But each each week is going to feel like match day thirty eight. It's going to, you know every win's going to be pivotal, and I actually do think the title could end up literally being decided by the games between the two clubs. I just they're just miles ahead. Um, and I, but you know it's going to be hard for Liverpool to replicate the last two seasons because I've just saw Man City. You know they go and get hundred points and ninety eight points, and then this season's a bit of a drop off. It's hard to go again and do that, but. We'll ha- we'll have to see, but I do think it's going to be we're going to see Liverpool and Man City hit ninety points again next season. Mm. Someone was saying on well, a few people were saying on Twitter actually when City were thrashing Burnley the other night that uh, oh, sort of early prediction that City are going to run away with the title next season. And I, sort of, I, know, I was a bit sceptical at the time, and then you sort of think you watch them play against Chelsea last night, and you think oh, there's a lot of problems that they've got to solve. They're a long way behind Liverpool now, I think. So I, do, I actually. Joel was saying he thinks City and Liverpool run away with it. I think Chelsea could be a real contender next year, you know, with the signings that they've made. And I mean, we'll go on to talk about their game uh, in a minute. But yeah, I think they've got the beginnings of something really quite special going on in Chelsea. So yeah, I think that could be that could be very interesting next year. Those games between Chelsea and Liverpool, that'd be absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Well, of course, Liverpool won the title courtesy of that uh, 2-1 uh, win for Chelsea over City. City were champions of England for 803 days, but Pep Guardiola <laughs> has now lost as many games as Ole Gunnar Solskjaer this season. <laughs> <laughs> the, the ultimate insult, that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joel, I know you watched this game. What, what on earth was going on at City, in City's defence? I, 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 can't, I can't for life me work out what Benjamin Mendy was trying to do for the first goal. <laughs> it's... I think that that's me. You know, if we're talking about sort of Guardiola and, and his, you know, maybe his flaws, he's not got the defense right. This, this, somebody, he's not replaced company. I don't. You know what? His persistence to stick with sort of. I know Stones. You know, and Otamendi don't play every week, but to stick with them over the last couple of years is maybe a bit of a criticism. Definitely Otamendi. Stones has his moments. I, I, he's not. He's not got that right. I don't think this this season anyway. He didn't replace company and to maybe stick with Fernandinho. He probably didn't expect Fernandinho to play as many games as centre half as he as he has done. But I, I think that's maybe where he lost the title is where he didn't replace company right. You know, as a leader, but also as a really good defender. Because last night you just you just felt every time Chelsea went forward. You know, I didn't feel like this because I was nervous. I was thinking, what's going to happen? But <laughs> it looked like Chelsea were capable of scoring every time he went forward. I don't know if you think that yourself. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, City seems to be in that position now where they kind of like they need like four, five chances to score a goal, and then the other team doesn't need as many. You know, they they need one or two chances, and we can probably lose the game. So the, the yeah. defense isn't being protected very well by the midfield. Don't think the Rodri signing has gone particularly brilliantly so far. I think he's struggled at times this season. Gundogan isn't playing particularly well. Um, um, yeah, Mendy was was shocking for that goal, and he. Uh, you know that, that Twitter account, um, football images that precede unfortunate events. <laughs> yeah. There was one last night of uh, M- Mendy, like the same day, was talking about, oh, I feel like I'm back to my best after my injuries now. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, th- those injuries have killed him, really. He's, he's had two um, ACL injuries. Oh. He's lost all his pace. He's lost a lot of confidence. And uh, I think they've got a lot to replace him in the, in the summer. Yeah, they, I mean, they've got really unlucky with, obviously... Company going to Anderlecht and then Laporte getting injured mm. back in was it September or August? Yeah. So, but yeah, they should have. Yeah. yeah, they never really replaced that, and they were just playing catch up from day one, really, weren't they? Yeah. That. So, and I also think there might need to be a conversation soon about Edison. Mm. I'm not. I, he's dropped off massively. I think maybe yeah. it's because Allison's come in and done so well that it's sort of your view a little bit. But I don't know. He just doesn't sort of exude confidence. Obviously, the defense isn't great, so that you know that's not helping him. But I don't know. I just it really doesn't look at his best at the moment. Yeah, so. he dropped a bit of a bollock last night with a pass mm. out that uh, could have could have resulted in a goal. And yeah, he, he has um, not not been nearly as good as he was last season. Commit uh, made a few errors and letting a few soft goals. Mm. I mean, th- there's been talk that City are going to prioritise the, the sign of a centre back this summer. Who who would you go for if you were City's technical director? It's got to be Koulibaly, hasn't it? Mm. I think he's... Is he all that, Koulibaly? Um, well, I mean, they were going to pay £80 million for Harry Maguire, and he's certainly better than yeah. Harry Maguire. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think of the centre-backs available, I think he's yeah, I think he's the best. And City will have money to... Sp- they'll probably be one of the few clubs in Europe that will have money to spend this summer. So, I think um, De Laurentiis has said that they won't accept anything less than £90 million, which, you know... I guess we'll see what the market's like over the summer, but I think that seems, I mean, obviously it's a lot of money, but that seems like a worthwhile amount to spend, Mm -hmm. I think. When you look at, you know, Liverpool just went for Van Dijk, did it, it sort of worked out well. I think Kilbali could do that for City if they they splash out. Yeah, I remember that 75 million being quoted for Van Dijk being seen as an obscene amount of money (laughs) at the time, and now you think, what? (laughs) That's you know yeah. probably one of the best seventy five million pounds that has ever been spent in football, mm. isn't it? Joel, any other any other contenders? Do you think that could be City's saviour in defence? Milan Skriniar is one has been mentioned as well, but yeah. I, I don't I don't know too much about him to be honest. It, he's he's not he's solid. The fingers with with centre halves, and maybe that's why Van Dijk was so expensive. Is and there is a premium on these players because there's not that many world class centre halves out there. Now you look at City's hole in defence and you think, well, that could be plugged by anyone, but you know what it who is out there, the fingers are cooler barley. I think he'd definitely improve the uh, defence, obviously, but he's also twenty nine and it's yeah. also you're paying ninety million for, for for someone who's maybe got three seasons left in and maybe, you know, at that level anyway. Mm. It's obviously I th- I, I think that's difficult, you know. I, I you know, I I always rate you know, Varane from Real Madrid, then you know, he's not that you know, not that young himself, to be honest. They wouldn't sell him, I don't think either, would no. they? No. But then if you know, if Real Madrid needs to go and fund moves for you know certain other players they're after and Man City are offering the money, you never know. But I think that's the only really obvious one that comes to my head, I think, straight away improves that defence. Everyone else is maybe a bit of a project. Chelsea. Things are really looking up for Chelsea. Uh, you mentioned them earlier, Alex. They uh, they mm. deserve victors in this game. Uh, I want to talk about Christian Pulisic. I thought that was, uh, yeah. you know, obviously it was a big defensive cock-up, but he took that goal brilliantly. How impressed have you been with him this season? I've been really impressed. I've been surprised by how little Lampard's played him actually this season. Because whenever he's come on, he's, or whenever he's played, he's been brilliant. He scored that hatchet against Burnley earlier on in the season. I thought that was going to be the start of something for him. But um, he hasn't, Lampard's sort of preferred William and Pedro at times. But I think, yeah, he, he came on against Villa and totally changed the game. I think he's... He scored within about four minutes of coming on and set up the second as well. And then last night he was, yeah, he was absolutely imperious. So, yeah, I mean, you know, he's maybe taken a bit of time to get used to the Premier League and Chelsea, but yeah, I can see next season being a massive one for him. I think he's, yeah, a quality player. I mean, they've got Timo Werner coming in. They might be getting Kai Havertz. What else do you think they they need to be sort of 
become a real force title changes next season. They need a centre back. They mm. didn't fail in probably need two centre back. Although Christensen actually played really well last night, but um, I think they just they need a bit of leadership at the back because yeah, they're they're brilliant going forward, but yeah, they're very very ropey defensively. I could I was actually thinking just then about the city centre backs. I, I, Chelsea, I think, would do well to go for someone like Johnny Evans, mm. sort of an older player, a bit of leadership. Um, got a bit of sort of the John Terry's about him, but <laughs> not quite as that obnoxious. But um, just someone like that, a bit of an older, older head in the dressing room, just to sort of yeah bring bring that defence together. I think that could be a really really good signing for them. Mm. But yeah, they they need another centre back, I think, and potentially a new goalkeeper because Lampard doesn't. I mean, now I know he's playing Kepa now, but he he dropped him uh, back at, over Christmas in January and. Uh, yeah, I don't think he really trusts him. So, no. um, yeah, attention well. Do you think he could have done better with that goal last night, the free mm. kick? I, yeah, I thought it was, I mean, wasn't great goalkeeping that way. It's a good free kick. But... I think that's being a bit harsh. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just sort of did that thing where he just sort of like flung yeah, his arm sort of at let it with go. That. Yeah. I think you're <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, we were going to talk to Phil Costa about Arsenal today. Um, unfortunately, due to technical issues, he was unable to join us. Uh, but we'll, we'll have a little chat about them. Um, Joel, what do you make of those stories that have been coming out about Arsenal this week about disarray behind the scenes? Do you think it's uh, there's, there's a real problem there? Yeah, disarray in Arsenal just seems to go hand in hand. Right? It's <laughs> for a couple of years. Uh, yeah, I was actually speaking to an Arsenal supporter about this last night. I, you know, I'd be genuinely concerned about this, this news about the contracts that came out this week, especially given Cedric Suarez four years. <laughs> you know, you know, not not as you know. Maybe criticise his ability that much, but, but one, he's not made an appearance for the club. You know, he's twenty nine, and what he's going to be thirty three when his contract ends. You know, what's he? You know, he's been injured, so, so unfortunately not be able to make an appearance. But what's he really shown behind the scenes to suggest he should get a four year deal? I think that suggests that there's somebody else. You know, maybe an agent. You know, let's not name names, but there's an agent maybe. He's got his fingers in a few pies in that club, and mm. you know maybe he's calling a few shots that maybe it's key as your option, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, was... Maybe he's calling a few shots that maybe Arteta can't, and you know it's, it's some things aren't really making sense. I think the fact that they paid eighteen million for Nicolas Pepe now suggests that maybe that was doing someone a favour, or mm. you know, or maybe that's just a bad transfer decision to make to pay eighteen million for a player that maybe didn't really need at the time. It, 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 Arsenal, I mean, sorry, Arsenal are the teams to maybe poke fun at at the moment because it's all been chaotic since since they came back. But Arteta's got a hell of a job, and I don't I don't think he expected to be as bad as it is. Yeah, when when an agent comes in like that and is sort of, sort of yeah comes into a club and yeah offers players and all that sort of stuff, that really says that to me anyway that there's a power vacuum at Arsenal. And nobody's really taking charge. I'm sure you all read the report in the Independent this week just about how much of a mess it is behind the scenes. I think Sven Mizzetat, the former scout who left, was he, he was only there for about a year, just under. Yeah. Um, his, his quote was, "It's an absolute mess, and it needs, <laughs> and, it needs and it needs a total reset." Um, which uh, obviously, you know, he left. He might have, you know, ulterior motives, but. Um, I think that says something about where Arsenal are, and yeah, Arteta's got a huge, huge, huge job in his hands. You look, you look at that squad. I mean, I know they did play fairly well yesterday, um, but you look at that squad. I mean, it, who really do you want to keep? Probably five or six of them. Mm. That's it. Sorry, go on, John. Go on. Sorry, mate. Sorry, just to some balance on it. You know, do you have some good youngsters there? I mean, Saka, Martinelli. And maybe they're, they're the five you're talking about, um, but but yeah, it's it's. But you it's can't. Lost. I mean, this is this is Arsenal we're talking about. You can't totally rely on teenagers to get you back into the Champions League. You know, it it, no. it could well be, but at the end of the season they finish in the bottom half, and I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. And that is frankly disgraceful. Really. <laughs> um, when you think about the money that they spend and um, all that sort of stuff, it's just. Yeah, it's not really good enough, is it? And I think I wonder whether Arteta regrets taking that job. It's yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens come the end of the season and over the summer and whether they do properly reinvest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I wonder whether he's regretting taking that job. 
it's funny, a few weeks ago, before the football came back, we were sort of talking about predictions for top four, and I sort of reeled off a list of clubs that were in contention, and I named Arsenal just instinctively. <laughs> and then I looked at the table, and I was like, they've got no chance. Yeah. What was I thinking? Yeah. And to, to make matters worse, they've been linked with Claudio Bravo this week. I mean, <laughs> at what point do we start to ask whether the Emirates was built on an Indian burial ground or something? It's just gone, it's gone terribly for them. Since never has a player fitted a club more than Claudio exactly. Bravo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they, well, they did win against Southampton last night. Matteo Guendouzi was left out of the squad completely for that game. Um, there was some talk that he was sledging the Brighton players last week about how much more money he earns than them mm. and all that stuff. Do you think that's embarrassing or is it just sort of part of the game? That, that I, kind of thing? I personally think that's embarrassing, especially when the player you were sledging goes and scores a mm. 95th minute winner against you. <laughs> he's obviously got a big ego and he's a good player but I've seen reports this week that he's getting linked with Real Madrid Barcelona PSG I mean he's nowhere near that sort of level he's probably had about five good games for Arsenal that I can recall mm. I just, yeah yeah he's not he's not good enough I, if I was he's one of the players I'd definitely get rid of if I was Arteta and I think leaving him at the squad totally that you can sort of tell that Arteta is he is trying to be that leader and he is sort of trying to crack the whip a little bit and if players do go out of line they are getting dropped completely which is a, which is a good thing but again it just it just belies the absolute mess that's going on behind the scenes there so. yeah did you see uh, that picture of uh, Lacazette during the game last night where he's sat in the <laughs> stand with his feet up am I reading too much into this or is that like does that body language not scream sort of like professionalism and commitment to you yeah it does <laughs> I mean Erzo was at it as well it wasn't just Lacazette it's, it is, we are in very sort of, you know, unprecedented times, <laughs> as, the, as the phrase goes. So, you know, sitting in the stands, is obviously a different vibe to sitting on the bench and stuff. But, you know, whenever, if you're on the bench, you should be ready to come on at all times, especially when there's five substitutes now. You know, you've got more a chance to get on. So, yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, you are right with that. The body language is just, it's just absolutely stinks. <laughs> Well, another club who had a big win this week was Manchester United, with Anthony Marshall scoring the first Premier League hat-trick since Sir Alex Ferguson retired. <laughs> that is mad, that is, basically. <laughs> uh, Alex, I want to come to you again on this one. You've been quite critical of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer on this podcast in the past. Yeah. Uh, he does seem to have started to turn things around, at least for United. Yeah. Do you think it's time we owe him an apology? I think I might have to eat a bit of humble pie. Mm. Um, I've been... I, I, it's amazing to me how how different they are with the addition of Bruno Fernandes. Yep. Literally one player has come in and he's totally transformed that team. They actually look quite good, which I did not <laughs> think I was going to be saying this season. Um, I, yeah, I mean, and, and Solskjaer is clearly like a good bloke and he's, again, the sort of coach that players want to play for. I said, tactically, I still don't know. I'm not really sure what Man United are, but... He's got them playing like relatively decent football, and I, I can genuinely see them getting top four this season. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, that signing of Bruno Fernandez is just totally, totally transforming. And they played really, really well with Sheffield, Sheffield United. But apart, a lot of that was down to Sheffield United not being very good. But um, Wan Bissaka's played really well. Right backs uh, got an assist, and yeah, has added added that to his game, which is which is going to be a good thing. Um, and yeah, the prospect of Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba playing together is yeah really really exciting. Yeah, I was a bit skeptical about Fernandes because like last summer he seemed to be available and no mm. one really went for him. January United seems to have a clear run at him, and I thought he can't be that good if no one no one you know if if Barcelona or Real Madrid or clubs like that aren't getting involved. But he's been absolutely brilliant. Have you yeah, been yeah. impressed with him as well, Joel? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's just seems to have taken it to you know what's the phrase like a duck to water. Well, um, mm. No, it's. I, I was actually a bit, you know, skeptical about whether he'd be able to handle the physicality of it, you know, that, that really age old saying. But you know, because I always worry about play, you know, those creative type of players like number eights, number tens, about how much they can actually get into the game in the Premier League. But he's just running the show, isn't he? He's, he's, he's incredible. Like, he, like Alex made a great point there. He's revitalised that team and completely changed the prospects. But. I still got some doubts on their manager. You know, they're only, two, they're only ever two defeats away from chaos, so we'll see. I think I, this this isn't the time to criticise Martial after getting that trip, but, <laughs> but I do I do think they're missing a world class striker. I think they they need a 
properly brilliant centre forwards, um, and that really could sort of take them places. That yeah, a new centre forward and, and another centre half, and I think they could they could really be quite good next season. Well, Tim really. Sherwood was saying this week that they're two or three signings away from challenging for the title. So, a forward, a centre half, and who else would you go for? Do you reckon? I don't know, like maybe a left back. Like Luke Shaw's, yeah, not good enough. And although Brandon Williams is is doing pretty well, but um, and then I guess you could probably maybe add another midfielder because Nemanja Matic, you know, isn't getting any younger. Fred, although he's been decent, probably isn't that that absolute top level. You know, I saw um, Thiago Alcantara is probably going to leave Bayern, mm. um, and, and I know Man United well. He was offered to Man United about seven years ago, and David Moyes turned him down for Marlon Fellaini. So maybe they'll. Um, We've all done it. <laughs> maybe they'll correct that mistake this summer and go for him instead. There's some chat about uh, Thiago to Liverpool as well, wasn't there, Joel? Oh, yeah, I mean, it'd be great. What a player he is. But it doesn't make any. It's not really a Liverpool sign at the moment. They, they don't, you know, they tend to go for younger players who maybe have a bit of a sell on. Value it, you know, in, in times to come. I think Thiago just at the wrong end of that age bracket. They tend to go for age 19 to 24 kind of thing. So, but no, he, it won't be a bad thing for him in Anfield, to be fair. <laughs> uh, do you know he did a new goalkeeper? Um, After David De Gea's. Well, they've got, well, they've got De- Dean Henderson, haven't they? Mm. So is, he, is he ready for them, do you think? I think he'll probably, by the looks of it, is going to spend. Uh, another season at Sheffield United and then I think he probably could be ready because he's been brilliant this season mm-hmm. for Sheffield United um, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't quite agree with Roy Keane and his assessment of uh, Dan <laughs> Dyer from last week not that I'd say that to his face to be fair but, um, I, he's still world class for me and, he's, and he does and he often comes up with big saves and I wouldn't be getting rid of him just yet mm. no, I'd, I'd, yeah I think I'd, I'd stick with the hair at least, yeah, for next season. Yeah, maybe in a year's time, reassess it. Yeah. Going back to Bruno Fernandes for a moment, there was an interview with Stephen Ireland in The Athletic this week, the former City player, Stephen Ireland. Uh, he was saying he lives around the corner from Fernandes and they sort of trained together and stuff like that during the, the coronavirus pandemic. And he said, uh, when they met, Fernandes said, oh, I used to sign you on Football Manager and I had a poster of you on my wall. And Stephen Ireland was like, he couldn't believe it. So I wanted to ask you two, who's the most random footballer you've had a soft spot for and why? Mine is uh, football manager related. I uh, I won the Champions League with Oxford, I think in uh, football manager 07, I reckon. And I had John Carew up front. And, uh, he scored two in the, in the Champions League final against Barcelona. So, yeah, it's John Carew. Fair play. <laughs> Joel? Well, I always, you know, I'm showing my age here, but you know, there was championship manager before yeah. football manager. <laughs> I always pictured me and Cherno Samba going to a basement. But other than that, it's actually, uh, I'm not sure it was Bruno Zuccolini or you know, Franco. Who's one to play for City? Bruno, Bruno, that was, yeah. Yeah, he ran my. Um, my Stoke City midfield on FM 16 and Finger <laughs> led me to the Champions League and the Club World Cup and I might have a poster of Bruno Zuccolini on my wall. <laughs> well, yours, Dan? I'm Trebuchet Manager. I always used to sign this kid from Andalek called Vincent Company. <laughs> <laughs> not, sure, not sure what happened to him. Yeah. Though. <laughs> Uh, getting back to the Premier League, uh, Tottenham uh, unbeaten since the restart, but as we mentioned earlier, their game against West Ham was pretty dreadful the other night. And there was a story during the rounds this week that Tangi and Dombele doesn't want to play for Jose Mourinho ever again. What's gone <laughs> wrong there, Alex? Because that looked like such a promising signing for them last summer. Um, it's, it's, to be fair, and I've, I've never missed an opportunity to bash Mourinho, but he struggled with Pochettino as well. And I remember Pochettino coming out in October and saying that he needs to train harder and um, yeah, work a little bit more on the training ground. So it's not just a Mourinho thing, but I think that this is classic Mourinho picking on a big player on big money and pulling his weight around. Um, and I, and he looks sometimes he's, he must be. I'm not a Spurs fan, but if I was a Spurs fan, I would find him so frustrating. He looks amazing on the ball sometimes, but then game other games they just completely go by him, um, and maybe. Maybe he's just struggling to get used to the Premier League and, and the intensity and the pace. But yeah, I, I, I he's, he's on a five-year contract. I think he's on two hundred thousand pounds a week, and we know what Tottenham are like. They're only going to sell him if 
they get at least get the money that they paid, which I think was 60 million euros. So I I would be surprised if he leaves. I think this is probably Mourinho just, yeah, like I said, throwing his way around and just making sure they know who's boss. And yeah, I, I can see Ndombele being there next season and, and doing well. I hope so anyway. Mm. I think it's brilliant. Well, I'm, I'm, it feels like Mourinho's tried with him because you know there was that um, those pictures of them training, doing training drills in the park uh, during lockdown and all that, wasn't there? Yeah. So I don't, yeah. I mean, maybe Mourinho probably is a bit of a nightmare to work for, but there's been some talk this week of, of possibly Indomelé going to Barcelona with Philip Coutinho or Nelson Semedo going the other way. Joel, mm. could you see that being a mutually beneficial deal for for both clubs? Maybe Coutinho Actually, to Spurs. Yeah, I could see. You know, out of all the Premier League clubs that. Coutinho's been linked with. I think Spurs is probably the most suitable destination for him. And, you know, I, I do look at their midfield and Lo Celso's maybe not taking off as much as he, he could have. I think injuries are affecting him. Coutinho could fill that gap that Christian Eriksen has left. Um, you know, whether he does play in a number 10 position, we'll have to see. But I could, I could see Coutinho working at Tottenham. Yeah, and then, you know, less said about Barcelona's midfield, the better at the moment. But then Dombley will improve that. But no, and, and you talk about maybe Nelson Semedo, you know, I think Serge Aurier, <laughs> if we're talking about, you know, strange fullbacks, inconsistent <laughs> fullbacks, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Nelson Semedo was 100% being upgraded on Serge Aurier. So I think that, that could be something that works for both clubs, to be honest. Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't see why not. Katia needs to find a new home and needs to find love again. He's not going to go back to Liverpool, is he? No, uh, no, I, I, we've lost five games since he left. I don't think there's any, <laughs> any room for him. <laughs> no room here, mate. <laughs> uh, Mourinho also insinuated last week that it wasn't his, his decision to sign St- Stephen Bergwijn. I mean, I'm sure he's been pretty happy with how it's worked out, but why does he always have to make something so, everything so weird, Mourinho? He just, he just sort of fosters this uncomfortable atmosphere everywhere he goes. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, so I think he's idea is that in that sort of you know that the battle in the dressing room will sort of fire people up and make people play play better but i mean hasn't it been proved over the last five years that that just doesn't work mm. and mm. you know the sort of squad harmony that Klopp's creating and Pochettino and especially coming straight after Pochettino who was so much a part of that team and loved all his players and very rarely called them out i think yeah it must it must be a nightmare is he a bit of a dinosaur these days, Mourinho, do you think? I think it's, yeah, I, I, I think he is. When was the last decent job? Probably the year he finished second, man, United, they did pretty well, didn't they? But, um, yeah, I think the game just sort of passed him by now. It, it looks that way, doesn't it? I, I think he's just a weird man as well, to be honest. <laughs> I think if you go for a pint with him, you want to talk about how... Everyone's a lizard, and I just, <laughs> yeah. he quotes a lot of David Ike, and I just, yeah. I just got no time for that, to be honest. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> uh, Sheffield United have had two 3-0 defeats on the bounce. Uh, they did draw with Aston Villa on the first game back. Uh, Luca on Twitter asks, uh, why do you think they've been so awful since the restart? Yeah, we, when we did our predictions just before the restart, um, one of the questions is, who do you think will sort of struggle? And the team I picked was Sheffield United. I, I just... It, of all the teams, they're the one that need that sort of need the crowd behind them at Bramall Lane, that sort of barefoot atmosphere, and they're the most well drilled and rely on a lot of running and a lot of like shape and blocks, sort of as in like blocks of four and five. Um, so, and and what I don't think has been sort of said enough is. The players have three months off, which is double the amount that you usually get over three seasons. So you essentially have two free seasons, but two free seasons back to back with no, like no football, um, and that is really really hard. And so it's going to take, especially seeing the Sheffield United, it is going to take them a lot longer to just to get back into that rhythm of playing. Um, so yeah, I mean I'm a big Chris Wilder fan. <laughs> so I'm not going to throw him under the bus too much. Well, you were saying the other day, I mean, he was, uh, as listeners might not know, that he was your coach at Oxford once mm. upon a time, and you were saying there was that footage of him saying, what the fuck are you doing to someone? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you said you were getting PTSD from yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I had, I've had that look a few times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me a every time I see it. <laughs> Do you still rate him highly as a manager then? Yeah, I, I mean, 
I, I think I said before on the podcast a few months ago that I thought he was manager of the year. I'm not sure I agree with that just yet, no, just now. But I think pound for pound, the job he's done at Sheffield United is just unbelievable. Taking them from League One, champ, they boxed the championship there last year. They've taken to the Premier League like a duck to war. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think he's a superb manager. I mean, that talk about the bid in the Champions League was probably a bit premature, wasn't yeah. it? But I think they've uh, they've still had a lovely old season, haven't yeah. they, really? Yeah. Uh, another team we've had a lovely old season who might still get into the Champions League is Wolves. They've won two on the spin without conceding a goal. Uh, Raul Jimenez is now the Premier League's top scorer in all competitions this season, which doesn't really make sense, but you know, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Uh, Joel, uh, do you think they'll have uh, trouble keeping hold of Jimenez this, this summer and, uh, and where do you think he might be heading if not? Yeah, I think I think they might, you know, um, because, you know, he's looking at his age, I think he's around 28, 29. I think he might think, he might be a bit younger, sorry, uh, but he may think he's got one big move left in him. Um, and, you know, maybe now it's time to uh, strike while the iron's hot kind of thing. Um, I, you know what, we're talking about Manchester United maybe needing, uh, you know, a centre-forward. Mm. I think he'd be great for them. Mm. I think he would. Because he's, he, he's good to pretty much everything because he's a well-rounded striker. Cause he's good at holding the ball up. He, you know, he's got the poacher instincts. He scores a lot of his goals. You know, the one against West Ham, he gets onto Traore's cross at the back post and just, you know, gobbling up. But he's, you know, he can also run the channels as well. So I think he'd be, he'd be great. You know, I think he would step up for Man United to be honest. But you know, it'd, be, it'd be a shame for Wolves to lose him because obviously you don't. You know, Wolves are a team that could crack into the top four, and I don't want to see them lose their best players because they have a bit of competition around. You know what I mean? Mm. You know, I, I do think they're going to find it hard to keep hold of him and Ezen and Adama Traore this, this summer. The only thing that would stop uh, him leaving is, I've read a few reports this week, the Wolves won 100 million for him. Oh, really? Whether that's just them sort of, you know, publicly up in his price, but will actually accept 60 or 70, I don't know. But again, in this market, that seems like an awful lot. Oh, it's an awful lot of money before, but mm. even now that seems a bit ridiculous. So... Um, but yeah, when I think this week I read in the Italian papers the Juventus are in for him as well. So yeah, all the big clubs want him, which sort of tells you all you need to know about him. Be interesting to see how much transfer activity there actually is this mm. summer. I can't see there being that much of it to be honest, but we'll see. Um, so let's have some predictions then, based on what we've seen so far. Who do you reckon is going to finish top four this season? I'll start with you, Alex. Uh, Liverpool. Yes. Uh, Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> Man City. Uh, yeah, pending ban, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, and then I'm going to go with Chelsea and Manchester United. Mm. So Leicester to drop out. Yeah. They've not been great, actually, since they No, they, they haven't. They haven't been great for a while, actually. Since mm. They've won three games since January, possibly. So, mm. yeah, they've sort of really fallen off. Um, Brendan Fraudgers. Yeah, right, yeah. And I think, you know, the Manchester United resurgence is on. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with those. Joel? Let's take Liverpool's red. <laughs> <laughs> Only just. Um, I'd go exactly the same, to be honest. I think that with, uh, with Leicester, well, I've lived through a Brendan Rodgers team. Um, and <laughs> Survived to tell the tale, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's great at momentum and bad at momentum. So when mm. his team get on a roll, he's very good at harnessing it. But when his team start losing games or dropping points, He's not very good at pulling the back. Mm. Um, he loses his head. He does his own his own head in. He starts messing around with with selections that maybe he shouldn't do and formations. And I, th- I think Leicester start looking over their shoulder now because you know when you don't win at home to Brighton, that would have, should really have been a banker for them. It, it, it all depends on City's situation with you know with the ban. I, I personally think they're going to get that suspended. The City are sure, but if, if City do get you know are going to miss out next season. That's, I think that's the only way Leicester stay in the top four or five. Mm. And uh, at the other end of the table, who's going down? Uh, Norwich, Bournemouth, and West Ham. West Ham. Yeah, West Ham are shit, aren't they? they uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, West Ham fans, but you are dreadful. <laughs> yeah, they're not good at all. I think, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous that only three teams are going down this season, really, because mm. I think Watford aren't particularly good. Aston they were, they were crap against Burnley last night against Watford, yeah. Aston Villa aren't good at all either. So, yeah, you probably... And then I suppose Brighton might just have got out of it with that win over Arsenal, but, yeah, you could have five, get rid of those five teams quite easily. I don't think the Premier League would miss it. You see that stat, um, David Moyes, when he came in um, back, at, back in at West Ham, said, winning games is what I do. 
and he's got a 17% win record at West Ham since he came back. So, cheers oh. for that, Davey. Always, <laughs> always entertaining that fella. Joel, for you, relegation. I would love to see Moisey's face when it when relegation is confirmed, because um, no one pulls off daunting more than him. <laughs> haunted, um, <laughs> haunted and daunting all yeah. of it. <laughs> I think Norwich and Bournemouth for certain. I think they're gone now. Um, I think it's going to be one of West Ham or Aston Villa. Actually, I think Aston Villa. They don't. They're all right against Chelsea, but I think they're going to struggle to stay up. To be honest, mm, I'd like Villa to stay up, but. Yeah, they, they don't look great. Bournemouth is a funny one. I mean, I think the Ed, Eddie Howe hype train left town a long time ago, didn't it? <laughs> I don't think he's going to be getting linked with the Arsenal job again anytime soon. Right. So, yeah, a bit of a shame. Uh, we, we mentioned the PFA Player of the Year award earlier. Dinesh Kumar has tweeted us to say it will be a sham if Henderson is award, awarded it over Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> KDB deserves it now because of the superior stats. If they argue stats don't matter, then KDB should have won it two years ago over Salah. I don't want another Liverpool player stealing it from KDB. Uh, stats don't matter. Uh, <laughs> and, I mean, yeah, obviously he's been amazing, but you, you've got, you have to give it to a Liverpool player, surely. It, you have to. They won the league by 25 points. Like. We won it by 19 points and our player didn't get it, though. That's the point he's making, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No, and I, I, I disagree with that whenever that was, 2017, 2018. So... Uh, yeah, I think you have to give it to a Liverpool player. And yeah, I, like I said, Mane earlier on, if it's Henderson, no, I wouldn't feel offended by that at all. So. I think it might be a nice compromise what they sort of did last season when Van Dijk got it. Um, but Raheem Sterling won the Football Writers Player of the Year. Yeah. That's always a bit of a sort of a nice uh, way yeah. of doing that thing. So I could see that. I could see maybe Henderson getting the Football Writers and maybe De Bruyne getting the Players one or something like yeah. that. What do you reckon, Joel? I can exactly see that playing out. Yeah. And just to argue that. The former point. Salah won it when KDB should have won it. But Salah <laughs> broke Premier League scoring records, so you know that's all I'm saying. Well, KDB <laughs> was better that season than he's been that this season, I think. So it would be weird if he won it this year, but yeah, it's uh, it's a load of bollocks, isn't it? These individual awards. <laughs> yeah. Let's be Straight, honest. Yeah, it's, it's a team awards. sport. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, Cam Chad has tweeted us to say, "Do you think Jamie Vardy should get it?" Uh, no. Not really. I think he might get the golden boot, possibly. I yeah. think he's still probably still in, in contention for that. But yeah. It's FA Cup quarterfinal weekend this weekend. There's only one Premier League game and four FA Cup quarterfinals. Alex, are you surprised that they bothered with the FA Cup this season, given I mean, the kind of fixture congestion? They could have easily just got rid of that. Really, yeah, they yeah. really could have. I, I don't know what the sort of, if there's any legal implications of, of the getting rid of the tournament like that. Yeah, I'm not sure. And then, like, giving out prize money for teams that have got to the third and fourth round and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I don't really know why they haven't sort of made it like a little mini tournament at the end of the season. Mm. Um, I guess that's going to be quite difficult with the Champions League in August. But yeah, I just, I don't know, the FA Cup's a funny one, especially this year. I, I know there's plans next season to make it like a midweek tournament, um, which uh, is, as a fan of a small club, like the, some of our, I'm an Oxford fan, listener, uh, our best moment this season was getting to the fifth round of the FA Cup and playing Newcastle. It was great, but I I do sort of understand that it's very much an afterthought for big clubs and 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 fitting these games in with everything else just seems I don't know just seems a bit too much. I think. Well, on the subject of afterthoughts, there was some chat recently about the League Cup potentially being uh, sort of excluding clubs in Europe European competition from the League Cup in future. Do you think that would be a good idea? That makes perfect sense, I think. Do you not think it devalues the competition for the team that wins it? It becomes the sort of checker trade trophy almost then, doesn't it? It's... Mm. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's the cup. Yeah. It's the Carabao Cup, let's remember. Let's call it by its real name, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the only thing for the, the teams outside the top six or seven, they're only ever going to win it if those teams of the top six or seven don't take it seriously and Mm. I, it, it might devalue a little bit. I can see that point there, but no, I I, I think if you ask an Everton or Everton fan or a West Ham fan next season, they'll be going all out for it, and they get to have a day out at Wembley and, and be a chance to finally win the trophy. I, I think it'll mean something to them. Yeah, who's your money on for the FA Cup this year then? Hard to look past City, to be honest. Mm. You know they they they've. You know they got a chance to win the Champions League and the FA Cup, and 
and then he can say, you know, they've had just as maybe just as good a season as Liverpool. They can say that. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think I think they go all out for that. You know, I don't. If they take it seriously and they go for it, I don't see who can stop them. I think United have got a strong chance yeah, as well. United, Tommy yeah. Turner on Twitter says if United finish outside the top four but win the FA Cup and the Europa League, should that be considered a successful season for them? Um, yeah, I, I mean they're in the Champions League, then, aren't yeah, they? So, start, yeah, at the start of the season, you'd absolutely have taken that. Yeah, I think, and the game is about glory after all. Yes, so I would uh, accept <laughs> a successful season. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, perhaps the biggest uh, games coming up in, in the next couple of weeks are the League One playoffs, Alex. Yes, <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, could you remind us why they're doing the playoffs, even though the League One season was curtailed? Yeah, so yeah, the season was was stopped basically because it was going to be too prohibit prohibitively expensive for clubs to test their players uh, in, on regular uh, sort of occasions throughout the next few weeks. So they did a weighted PPG, which points per game. So depending on whether you have home games or away games, um, yeah, that's how they, they finished the table. Uh, and it meant, sorry, let me just, and it meant that Coventry won the league, Rotherham came second, and then, yeah, the playoffs are, Wickham against Fleetwood and then Oxford against Portsmouth. First mm. legs are next Friday and then the second legs are the following Monday. So, um, yeah, just because of they still needed to do promotion and relegation. So, and yeah, there's obviously one one promotion place to play for. So, yeah, playoffs it is. Mm. Fancy your chances against Portsmouth? I've, I mean, I don't want to sit on the fence here, but <laughs> before before lockdown, I would have said yes. We had a lot of momentum going into those games and, um, yeah, we were just playing really, really, really well. So were Portsmouth, to be fair, but with three months, having having no football for three months, it's just, I'd say, it's almost impossible to say who's going to do well and who's mm. not. Um, it's maybe has come at a good time for Oxford. We had a few injuries, but Cam Brannigan's back and, and Matty Taylor's back as well, so... Yeah, it should be. Yeah, it should be a good game. You should. You should all watch it. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> Wouldn't miss it for the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just a quick word on the La Liga title race. It's Barcelona and Real Madrid are pretty much neck and neck at the top. Okay, am I the only one who didn't realise that the Liga table is decided by head to head and not goal difference? <laughs> I I initially thought it was goal difference, but yeah, thinking about it a bit more, yeah, I did know. Yeah, so. bit of context here. I did I did a, an article after the uh, who played the other night, Real Madrid. Yes. Yeah, Real Madrid. So after yeah, they after they won, yeah. I did an article saying that um, Real Madrid had won, but Barcelona was still top of the table on goal difference. <laughs> Immediately, I knew something was wrong when my Twitter mentions were flooded <laughs> with people pointing out my mistake to me uh, to tell me that it was actually decided by head to head. So thank you to everyone who tweeted me to point that out. <laughs> Congratulations for passing the test because that's what it was. I... <laughs> uh, special thanks to the guy who tried to send a DM to my private Instagram account to point out the flaw as well. Well, that was, you know, you really went above and beyond the call of duty there. You've got to appreciate our commitment to the cause. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. 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 Um, so if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can't message me on Instagram, but, <laughs> but you can email us on podcast at onefootball.com or you can tweet us at onefootball. And Mark Maguire has done exactly that. He asks, after Roberto Gagliardini's hilarious open goal miss in Inter's draw with Sassuolo this week, what are your favourite misses of all time? Uh, that Galliardini one was yeah. very, very So he hit, he hit the bar from about two yards out, if anyone hasn't seen it. it was... The one that immediately sprang to mind was uh, Carnage. Yes, that's mine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, exactly was that and uh, Chris Iwalumos for Scotland. Oh, God, yeah. I forgot that? about that one. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Norway. That, his face, when you could see in his eyes, <laughs> yeah. that he's missed it. That picture I think it was his goal. Scotland debut as well. It, it was, yeah. Really yeah. So, those are the two that first sprang to mind. Joel, Ronnie Rosenthal for you? <laughs> oh, right, when he was Tyler Platts, great one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't use the one I was thinking of. Maybe yeah, I was thinking of because I don't know how he actually did it, but I was I was also what was it in yet then? Torres did know. one at Old Trafford once, didn't he? Was he playing for Chelsea at the yeah, time? Yeah, he was when he lost his lost his form a bit, mm. and he you know goes around the hair and just completely puts it wide. Well, no, for goals, horrendous, but no. Oh no, I've lost, I've lost my train of thought on that one actually. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was I was already I had about five hundred word essay to say about Carney. It's gone. <laughs> Did you ever miss an open goal, Alex? Uh yeah, on more yeah. than one occasion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can. There was uh, playing. I think we played Brighton away, and uh, yeah, last minute. 
just shanked it straight over the bar. Mm. Lost one nil. <laughs> when I was about yeah. nine years old, we had a, a sort of a school match between like an inter-primary school uh, tournament. I was made captain of the school team. It was the the biggest moment of my career, and I missed <laughs> I missed an open goal, and I've never truly recovered from it. I don't think, but, <laughs> both as a footballer and as a human. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm afraid that's about all we've got time for this week. Thank you to Alex and Joel for joining me. Congratulations to Joel for. Finally, after 30 bloody years, (laughs) get to celebrate a league title. Thank you to everyone for listening at home and we'll catch you again next week.